Our scripture lesson for today, the day of Pentecost, comes from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. It's a bit of a lengthy one, but folks, it's a great story. I love this story. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. At this sound, the, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phyrega and Pamphyla, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. O people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. Well, folks, I'm going to offer a bit of a disclaimer right here at the beginning. As I mentioned at the start of the video, this was kind of a last-minute thing that I have put together. I did not put any of the background work into this sermon, into this message, but I wanted to talk about it because I love this passage so much. It's a familiar one. It's one that we hit. It's one that we repeat every year. It's one that I work with, with the confirmation students in our year of, of the biblical narrative as we talk about it. It's just a wonderful passage. And as we think about this passage, we have to think in terms of where are we at in the schedule? Where are we at in, in the story? We go back to Holy Week and Easter, and we hear of Jesus' prediction, his ongoing prediction, that he will be betrayed and he will be killed, but then he will raise again and he will appear to his followers. As we know, Easter Sunday, that's exactly what happens. And we hear about the ongoing times throughout the different Gospels of when Jesus appears to his, to his followers, who appears to different people post-resurrection. Now, we hear that this goes on for a period of 40 days. 
And then Jesus leads his disciples out to a mountain. Sometimes we hear he's in Galilee if we're reading one gospel. In a different gospel, we hear that he's just out to the Mount of Olives, which is just opposite from the city of Jerusalem. But regardless, he leads them out to a mountain. And in this final moment, he is taken up into heaven and they watch him go and angels appear to him or appear to them, I should say. And they say, why do you look to the heavens? He has been taken from you, but he will return. And then the angels remind them, go back into the city where you will receive power from on high. That's the promise that Jesus has made over and over and over again. You will receive power from on high. I go to send you another advocate. You will not be left alone. That is the promise. The disciples go back into the city where they spend the next 10 days. We actually talked about that last week, that significant pause in the midst of the Uh, the time between Jesus' ascension and this, the day of Pentecost. And not much happens for that 10 days. They're just kind of hanging out. We do hear of one funny little story, but that's a side note. I won't worry about that. Until this, the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was one of the three major festivals in the Jewish faith. And this is why there are so many people in and around Jerusalem that we hear about from this passage. We hear about all these different types of people who have gathered into the city from all over the known world. That's why they're there. They are here to celebrate this festival. And in the midst of this, this is when the Holy Spirit shows up. And what, what, what a mental image to have. The sound of this great rushing wind that's so crazy, so powerful wind that I can only imagine must have been like a hurricane or a tornado blowing through there. And then this oddball description of the spirit descending upon each of the disciples like tongues of fire. Folks, I don't know what a tongue of fire looks like. All I know is it sounds strange. And it must have looked strange. And I can only imagine as the disciples looked at one another and they're like, what's going on? You've got flame on your head. And they're like, you've got flame on your head. And then they start talking and all these different languages come out. The native language of all of these different people who have gathered around them. This, this crowd that is gathered around because of the disturbance of the wind and the fire and all of this stuff going on. And what do we hear that they're talking about? Well, they're talking about the greatness of God. They're talking about the gospel. They're sharing the gospel in this native language so that others can hear it. They are given the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. They are empowered to be the body of Christ and do the work of the ministry of Christ now that Jesus himself is not with them. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But as we hear, people don't quite know what to make of it. Some are like, wow, this is incredible. Others are like, I think they're drunk. And folks... I don't know about you, but isn't that hilarious to think that, hey, they can speak in other languages because they've been drinking. I've said this before. Perhaps you've heard me say it. It's a joke I like to say. There's nothing like a bottle of Merlot to get me speaking Swahili or Mandarin Chinese, right? Right. Wrong. I mean, who knows? It's crazy to think about. And yet this is what happens. And this is the excuse that some people give to not believe. Folks, I think that's a reality of our world. There are some who do not believe. There are some who just cannot wrap their heads around this and will come up with any excuse to not believe the good news, to not trust in what's being told to them, to not trust in the witness of the people who bring it forward. For Peter and the other disciples, that's what they were doing. Also, I imagine it was the other roughly 120 people that was with them that they were all empowered as well. The Spirit empowers us 
each of us as followers of Christ to share our experience. We are empowered in our own ways. We are all given different gifts. And it all comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the things that I tend to talk about in terms of where do we get the Spirit from? Where does the Spirit come from? How do we receive it? All of these things. Well, I always believe that God can send the Holy Spirit on whoever God chooses, that God will empower whoever God chooses, that God will give that invitation to whoever God chooses. But we also have a promise that we receive through the waters of baptism, through the tangible act of being washed in the water. And that's why I've got the font here. And that's why I'm opening up now. I'm kind of combining our sacramental moment along with the sermon today. In the waters of our baptism, we are claimed by God, a claim shared by Jesus. Jesus is made heir to the promise and through the power of the Holy Spirit and the claim of God spoken over each one of us, we too are made heirs of that same promise. We are invited into the community of the body of Christ. We become Christians, if that's what we want to call it, or we become believers or Christ followers or whatever we want to call it. We are brought into this community, empowered and united by that Holy Spirit, which comes upon us in water. The promise along with the water, is something we can hold on to and know, yes, this promise is for me. And that's wonderful. But folks, there's another thing going on here that I think we have to pay attention to. And that is something that we hear if we go all the way back to John the, John the Baptist at the very beginning of the Gospels. We hear in several different Gospels John's message, I baptize you with water, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. This is always something we zero in on when I'm talking with the confirmation kids. Well, what does it mean to be baptized with fire? What? And this goes back to the idea of purification. If something can be purified and stand up to fire, they put it through fire. If it can't, they put it through water. And folks, flesh doesn't hold up to fire very well, does it? And that's why we use water. But the baptism of Jesus, the baptism that comes from God, the claim of God that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, it goes beyond our ability to comprehend. It goes beyond our ability to wrap our heads around. So when Jesus says, or more so, when John the Baptist says, I will baptize, you will be baptized with fire. Sorry, I'm getting excited here. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Maybe he's talking about the disciples. Maybe he's talking about this day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes blowing in with this mighty wind and tongues of fire and gives empowerment to the first church. I don't know how it works. All I know is I trust it and I am thankful and grateful that the promise is spoken for me and folks, it's spoken for you as well. God's promise to you remains. You are my beloved child. I claim you, and that's what the water's for. I am a child of God. Folks, you are a child of God. If you don't have water, go get some, bless each other, because that is the promise. Folks, here's the last thing that I want to say, the last point that I want to make as we wrap this up. Our community is moving forward into some unknowns right now. We've been doing the social distance thing for two and a half months now. I think there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of concern uh, that, that this virus, this illness is, has not gone away, there's still the chance of getting sick, we still have to take precautions, there's still concerns, there's still voices and things that we just don't quite know what to make of. And so we as a community of faith, we are tiptoeing back towards things. 
We are still urging caution. We are still taking caution. We are still concerned with those most vulnerable among us. And yet we are beginning to move forward into something that's unknown. And folks, it's scary. And I can only imagine that for the disciples and for the body of Christ gathered there that day, empowered by the Holy Spirit with the strange activity of wind and fire, I'm sure they were scared too. It's been 10 days since Jesus left, and I'm sure they haven't wrapped their heads around what is this body of Christ going to look like? What is this ministry going to look like that Jesus says we're going to do? They were scared, and yet they were empowered by the same spirit that's within us. It doesn't take away the anxiety. It doesn't take away the concern. It doesn't take away the need for caution. But it does strengthen us and empower us to continue to be the body of Christ in our own circumstances, in our own way, as the Spirit gives each of us ability. Folks, I love the day of Pentecost as it kicks off the body of Christ, growing into being the body of Christ, something that we are still doing. Even today, 2,000 years later, we are still learning how to be the body of Christ in the world that's ever-changing around us. And yet, the promise is the same. You are a child of God. You are claimed because of what Christ has done, as Christ has redeemed the world. Now go out and share it. Amen.